0: Welcome, everyone, to Ducks, Movies, and More. I'm your host, Zach, a.k.a. The Duck. Today, I'm introducing my first official episode. For the first episode, I had a good buddy of mine on, Michael, and we talked about an older movie behind enemy lines. Owen Wilson, Gene Hackman, and a few other well-known people are in it. One thing I would like to say when we recorded this It was the first time I ever really used this audio equipment, so the sound quality really is not the best, but in the future, hopefully it'll be better, but we still had a lot of fun recording this episode, so here's my first official episode, Behind Enemy Lines. Today, we're going to do a movie review. Well, mostly just talk about a movie, but we're going to be doing a lot of that, but we're going to be doing other stuff, too. I might just have Michael on here every now and then, and just bullcrap. Man, my funny noises. Yippee! See, everybody, that wasn't a sound effect. That was actually Michael. But today's movie, uh, Behind Enemy Lines, uh, 2001, Owen Wilson, Gene Hackman.
1: Which this, by the way, was one of Owen Wilson's early movies he did in his career.
0: He'd actually done, like, I think about ten movies before this one. But a lot of the ones that he did was uh, not necessarily the main star. Like, I think, I'm wanting to say, like, Shanghai Noon was in 2000. So a year before this, that's when Shanghai Noon came out Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. And that was like the first movie that he actually, I feel like, starred in. Because remember he was in Anaconda? Yeah. Where he like basically did nothing except like got sick and laid in bed. Remember that? I had
1: a couple of appearances and that was about all he had. But not like he is in this movie where he's one of the main guys.
0: Well, in this movie, I mean, he's the actual main character. I mean, arguably, it was the start of because this movie made. I don't know exactly what Shanghai Noon made. Look up, see what Shanghai Noon
1: made. So Shanghai Noon and the box office made ninety nine point three million dollars.
0: Shanghai Noon did. Shanghai Noon did, and that was partly because, mainly because of Jackie Chan was in it. So. Now, this movie ended up making $90 million, But the budget on this movie was only $40 million. I guarantee you the budget on Shanghai Noon was probably higher than that.
1: See, Owen Wilson was in a movie before that, too, of uh, Meet the Parents.
0: Yeah, but you remember, he didn't, that wasn't a main leading role, though. He probably only had, like, maybe 10 minutes of dialogue in Meet the Parents. Right. But his first movie... But, you know, I'm a huge movie geek. That's one reason why I wanted to start this show and talk about different movies and everything else. But do you know what his first movie was? His first movie? Owen Wilson's, yeah, his first... uh,
1: That he was a main character in or just as like a... No, just
0: his first movie, period.
1: Cable Guy, wasn't it?
0: He was in Cable Guy, but that wasn't his first movie. His first movie was uh, Bottle Rocket. And that actually had his brother, Luke Wilson, who's also a well known actor. Right. But you also had um, Andrew Wilson. They're all three brothers and they're all actors. Andrew hasn't done as much as the other two. Like, you remember Idiocracy? Yeah. So, Idiocracy, remember the end with Beef Supreme? Oh, yeah. With yeah. the flamethrower? That's actually Owen's brother. That's Andrew Wilson. Oh, okay. Um, but he's not as known as, as Owen. Luke or Owen. I mean, you know Luke. He was the main character in Idiocracy. Right. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's three brothers. But, all, uh, but Owen's other... more popular than the other two. Well, Luke and Owen are probably about... They, they. If you follow their careers, they've got about the same... I mean, they both have had about the same long careers. They're just two different ways. Yeah, I remember. I mean, Luke Wilson was, remember, old school? I mean, he made a killing on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's had a, some big hits just like Owen has. So I don't think he's in the game anymore like Owen is. I mean, Owen still does. Owen
1: still does movies here and I mean, there. He
0: just did that well, that Valentine's movie with uh, j uh, Marry Me. Mm-hmm. Is
1: that, is that movie he just recently did?
0: Now, if we're going to action movies... I feel like Behind Enemy Lines is one of the very few action movies he's ever done. Right. I mean, he's done dramas and, you know, a crap load of comedies.
1: Yeah, like he's done comedies. Of, he was in Not in the Museum, he was in Zoolander, Wedding Crashers.
0: I mean, he's done all sorts of comedies.
1: Well, see, he's done everything from comedies to even Disney movies, cars. He was in the movie Cars.
0: Yeah, that that was a little later in his career. His first movie is Bottle Rocket. That was done with his brother. And I want, I'm i not sure, but I want to say his other brother might have been in that too. But, then you fast forward, I think, I don't know how many years, because I forget when Bottle Rocket came out. Bottle Rocket, let's see here.
1: That one had to be...
0: So, 96. Yes. Yeah.
1: That was the year I was born.
0: Which I was born in 91. So right. Had a little bit on you. But I was still only five years old.
1: <laughs> we, we're in the still tank, at least the 90s, so we're okay.
0: But uh, Bottle Rocket, so 96. So really, when Behind Enemy Lines came out, he was. Uh, let's see here. So that would be what? Five, five years, years yeah. so really his, his career was just start because for him so he'd been in you know give or take 10 movies in the five years but this was like i feel like this was his first big leading role because even in shanghai noon i feel like jackie chan kinda jackie
1: chan had him beat on that one
0: had kind of took the
1: the lead role
0: yeah and I was also looking up, and I didn't know this until I started. There's a lot of stuff I know about this movie. It's been one of my favorite movies. I mean, I grew up watching it. But I might have actually seen it in theaters when I was uh, a kid. I'm not even sure. I know critics, I, when I've, I know when it first came out, that it wasn't really rated very high, but it still made a good amount of money. I mean, the budget on the movie was $40 million, and it hit the box office and made 90. So,
1: So it, it's rated a PG-13 and on Rotten Tomatoes on their tomato meter had a rating of 37% when that movie came out. Yeah. And they gave the audience score out of 250,000 plus ratings a 62%. percent hmm But for, to be one of the lowest spreading movies and still make money like that at that time, that's, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. It says in box office... The gross USA was $58.9 million.
0: So, let's get talking about... So, before we actually go into the movie, I'm going to open up the movie with the opening scene and everything to start it off. But before we do that, uh, it, it is loosely based on a true story. Uh, 1995, an Air Force pilot's plane got shot down uh, over Bosnia. So, it is... Loosely based on a true story, but very loosely because there's not a whole lot of similarities after that fact. I mean, the guy that got shot down was shot down in an F-16. In the movie, it's an F-18, and it's two pilots, which in real life, it was only one pilot. So,
1: See, they did this movie
0: too, and O'Grady,
1: which was the captain, the Air Force captain, brought a lawsuit to 20th Century Fox for damages to his character. Mm-hmm. Because they made it so loosely true he filed a lawsuit against 20th Century.
0: He actually, is, growing up, it was one of my favorite. I mean, it's a good movie. I mean, it's not, some people might say it's not the best movie, but I like it. it kind of focuses on one person the whole role. But I also looked up that uh, originally they had offered the role to Matthew McConaughey. You know, it's funny to think about stuff with movies about how different it would have been if uh, their original, you know, person would have gotten the movie.
1: So actually, Owen Owen Wilson, at the time too, rode in a jet at supersonic speeds to prepare for his role, which has pulled around six Gs which I didn't know that neither.
0: I didn't know that. One.
1: And he even he even went through some naval survival training mm-hmm. for the role, to help out with the role. So right here, Owen Wilson admits that he was a unconventional choice for the lead in a movie like this. However, producer John Davis says they wanted to take the action hero and turn it on its head.
0: Pit actually get in the opening scene because i'm gonna go ahead and get in the opening scene here but i just want to say with because he hasn't the biggest thing loand wilson you know he's a comedy star drama right. and comedy like i feel like this is maybe one out of three movies that you could consider an action movie um, now he did one i don't know if you've seen this one but in 2015 which of course you know 14 years down the road oh yeah later in his career but he did uh no Escape. Which I don't know if you've seen that. But that was a straight action movie, pretty much. throughout have the whole thing.
1: Well, see, he actually had another war movie. I don't know. I think he was a co-star in, but it was uh, Tropic Thunder in 2008.
0: Yeah, but see, that's a comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, Tropic Thunder is a straight comedy.
1: So, mo- most of his movies are comedies or... Vice versa, but the, he he has very few that are action slash adventure.
0: And this, in my opinion, this is probably one of the best out of the few. I mean, No Escape. I thought that was a good movie. Which who knows? We might end up doing you know talking about that one down the road. That might be a good one to do. But uh,
1: well, we got quite a few that we're going to talk <laughs> about too. That we
0: yeah, we got quite a few we could we could do. All different types of movies. I'm I'm such a huge movie buff. Like I like any movies, old '60s, '70s, all the way to current.
1: But, See, I've I've seen some older movies like Christine and stuff like that, but
0: probably not as much as I. Have.
1: No, I'm I'm more of the somewhat of the newer movie guys or like early two thousand type movies. I'm not really like '60s, '70s, '80s type movie. I haven't really watched a lot of those, like Volcano. I seen Volcano, but I think that was
0: early 2000s so but one more movie i wanted to mention kind of an action movie but still a comedy but you had i spy with eddie murphy and that came out about a year after this came out that that's when his career really started picking up all the way to you know into the late 2000s and the 2010 all you know oh yeah um all Right, but yeah let's go ahead and start with the opening scene The movie opens with a scene of what looks like soldiers, which you see a couple of them, they look like masked soldiers covering up graves. At least that's what it looks like, because they're like planting trees. You don't find out till later in the movie, but that's basically what they're doing is covering up unmarked graves. But all you see is these soldiers planting trees. And then yeah, that's real quick and then it goes to uh aircraft carrier, but there's like a newscaster talking, talking about how the US is going to pull away from being involved with the conflict in Bosnia, which they have I guess made a peace treaty to where the US is gonna be leaving and not a part of it. Which they haven't been too much of a part of it, I guess, to begin with. But they've just kind of been around in case something goes crazy. So then it It goes to Owen Wilson. And uh, his co-star, which you might have to look up his name. I want to say it's Gabriel. It's Gabriel something. Because he's been in a few things over the years, but he's not as well known.
1: Um, His name is Gabriel Mott.
0: He is pilot of an F-18. The scene goes to, they're getting ready to take off from an aircraft carrier, U.S. Navy. And uh, Lieutenant Chris Burnett, which is played by Wilson, that's your main character of the movie, is uh, basically his navigator, which they're both pilots. But the way they usually run a jet is you have your main flyer and then you have... Your navigator.
1: The other guy.
0: Stackhouse.
1: Yeah. Which is. Who
0: plays. What, Gabriel? Yeah,
1: Gabriel
0: Mocked. And then we go to. They thought they were going to get to take off because I guess there was a NATO bird that they didn't know was a NATO helicopter, but it was going in their airspace. So they're about to launch them off to go check it out, but then realize that it was friendly. So they called them mm-hmm. off. Goes to Wilson and Gabriel just talking about how they're ready for, you know, them to get out of the area and be done with, I guess, the policing of the skies during the Bosnia War.
1: That's kind of funny how that guy was throwing a football on a boat.
0: Now, you see, this goes to one of, like, the opening scene. scenes, the funny part about the opening scene, which it leads up to, Not really pop culture, but it leads up to in the movie, you know, you're looking at the time frame of what's going on. So he makes a bet with one of the other guys on the deck about him catching the football on the way back, which he's basically going to do is he's having him pull the – I don't know what the proper word for it is. Pull the line or the chute. The catapult basically launches the plane on all aircraft carriers because it gets the plane up faster so it can launch. So they pull the catapult back and then release it and it basically kicks the football way up in there and he's going to try and catch it on the way back. Now...
1: Now he's actually holding the football too.
0: Yeah, while it punches out. Yeah. Because the one guy made a joke about him, you know, losing a finger. Uh... So he tries to catch it, he doesn't catch it, and, uh, you know, it falls in the ocean, but it pans to just the ball, and then you hear uh, Lieutenant Burnett, Wilson, which at the time, you know, Castaway just came out, you know, I don't even know if a year before this movie, probably, you know six seven months so that was a reference of another movie in the movie which i think is pretty cool
1: yeah castaway actually came out in 2000 at the at the end of 2000 december 7th so a little less than a year
0: now one thing i can go ahead and say like this movie i know michael you don't really necessarily know directors like i do but no
1: you're you're a big director guy
0: uh this movie was directed by John Moore, which this was actually his directorial debut, pretty much. This this was his first feature film. I, I think he had done, like, small stuff, like, outside of the director world. You know, you've got, like, shorts and stuff that you can direct before you get to the actual movie business. Well,
1: see, and one of the, one of the big things that... He he credits include a the actual war from Behind Enemy Lines, which we're doing now, and A Good Day to Die Hard.
0: Now, A Good Day to Die Hard is the one they did in 2013. Right. Not the one they did. My favorite well, besides the original, of course, but one of my favorite die hard movies is the one they did in I believe like 06, 07. It was one that had Justin Long in it. I don't know if you've seen that one. It was the was it the airport? No, the airport was the second one.
1: Then they had the. Um,
0: then you had the one with Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Yeah, which was the. Um, the Treasury me. stuff.
0: Yeah, but then later on, years after they did one, I think it was like you'd have to look it up. Uh, I think it was like oh five oh six, and they did one with Justin Long. Um, now that was a really good movie.
1: Now. Die Hard, which. Now, I'm pretty... I'm Die Hard, I've I watched a lot of. When I was living with my mom, I had the whole DVD set, and I could, I, even when I watch it on TV to this day, I'm still like, oh, I've never seen this movie before, so I'm going to glue into it, because it, Die Hard, I think, is one of the best action movies I've I've seen.
0: Yeah. But now... He did A Good Day to Die Hard, which that one was the one in 2013. Which, it was good. I mean, it was good. It was good to see another Die Hard movie. But it it wasn't as good as the ones in the past, I don't feel like.
1: Yeah, the first one and the second one are my are my two favorites on Die Hard.
0: But then, the funny thing about John Moore is, though, he's not... He's a well-known director. But he literally has not done many movies. I think he has, like... Six major films spanning over, you know, like 20 years. And that's it. Um, I'm assuming that's probably a life, you know, a personal choice. But um, the movies that he has done, though, I mean, I, I enjoy all of them. I mean, you've got um, Fly to the Phoenix 2004 with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Great movie. I mean, you've got uh, Max Payne 2008, which was at the height of Mark Wahlberg's career, which I don't know if it was a real success, but it was a good movie. Oh, and and then
1: he did the one in 2016 called the movie It.
0: I haven't seen that one, but I know it has Pierce Brosnan in it. So, and then he did he did a horror movie in 06. I'm not necessarily the biggest horror movie fan, so I don't know if I'll get to watch that one or not. That but. one
1: was um, The Omen. The Omen, yeah. yeah.
0: But, I've always, I mean, he seems to be a good director. Now, the producer on this movie... You might have to look that up, but I know the producer is actually okay. So yeah, it's Tim Matheson, which is a really well-known actor all the way through seventies, eighties to current time. So he actually produced this movie, um, and I think he's produced a lot, especially when he started kind of getting out of acting.
1: Now, it's, I don't know if it's the right movie, but it says one of the American film producers for that movie, too, was John Davis.
0: Well, I'm sure they had, you know, usually with the major film. Oh, yeah, have, they have like, quite a few producers. Three or four executive producers, producers. I mean, you have quite a bit. So, if... So, after we're coming out of the flight deck scene, where he loses Wilson, you know, overboard. So, in this next scene, Lieutenant Burnett and Stackhouse are in the mess hall of the ship eating lunch. And then the master chief of the ship walks in and hollers at Burnett and says the Admiral would like to see him in his office. So, now the scene goes to Lieutenant Burnett walking into Admiral Leslie's office. The Admiral confronts him because apparently he has received his letter of resignation. He says when he first joined the Navy, he could see a lot of potential in him. And then Lieutenant Burnett says he feels like It's time to move on from the Navy and that he has gave the Navy seven good years and he has served his country well. And then the Admiral, they kind of have, you know, an argument and then he gets mad and says, you know, you don't want to know the first thing about serving your country. So you can tell there's a lot of uh, hostility between the two that's been kind of brewing for a while. So then, at this point, the scene goes to kind of... It goes to the point where you kind of see Burnett. He walks out of his office, and then it goes to the next scene. All right, so now we're at... Well, one of the main scenes that I remember the most about the movie is when the Admiral puts them... Yeah, Burnett and uh, Stackhouse puts them on a mission for a photo reconnaissance. So, and it's... it. I don't know if it's like on Christmas Day, but it was definitely like around, Near Near around Christmas, Christmas yeah. time because Burnett was complaining that, uh, you know, they're going to miss out on the best meal of the year. But, so, the plane... They get ready. They go on the flight deck. They get in their plane, and they get ready to take off. And the first first time in the movie that you actually hear music, which is fun for different movies and time periods, because it's different times where music is relevant. Um, But the song was actually "Buck Rogers" by Feeder, which. I actually have it on my playlist. I mean, I listen to it. It's a good, it's a good day. song. Uh, but it's funny because it's like the same as every song in the early 2000s to like mid 2000s. Like all those, all that type of music, I feel like just sounds the same from that time period. Oh yeah, period.
1: Espe- especially like in the movies, it was like that one song, and we're we're sticking to it type situations.
0: Yeah. So that song's playing. And then uh, they take off, and they're flying a little bit, and then uh, they come across what Burnett is looking on his scope, I guess, and it's showing activity, which I assume that shows if there's like, you know, some type of probably machinery, probably like, tanks
1: or. Yeah,
0: anything like that would it would probably pick up on a aircraft scope, I'm assuming. So he, he suggests that you know maybe they should go check it out. Stackhouse pretty much argues that that would be off mission. It's not the route they're supposed to fly. But then Burnett kind of talks them into it, so they head over that way, and he turns the camera on the plane, which at this point, I don't know how you felt watching it, but at this point, it's kind of like in every movie where... You know this is the point in the movie where they make a decision where something bad is going to happen. I don't know if you got that feeling on this exact scene or not. Oh, yeah, because you
1: know when, you, when when that plane flew over, they were probably in an unrestricted fly zone. And when they seen that aircraft come by, they said, okay, hey, there's something up here. We need to figure out what's going on and who it was that's out there looking for us or vice versa.
0: And they see the plane fly over what looks like a field with some soldiers and some equipment, which just, if you watch the opening scene where they're, you know, planting the trees, if you pay attention, it shows a quick clip of those trees in the background. So you know that they're flying over the same area that you've seen in the opening scene. And then it goes to, I guess, the leader Of these soldiers, which I think are are preceded, what, like the the Serbs, the Bosnian Serbs, pretty much. Yeah, oh yeah. So it goes to the leader, and then it shows... The missile trucks. Well, yeah, your surface-to-air missiles. So it shows the character Sasha, which you find out later on in the film is Sasha, which is kind of... In the movie, he's kind of like the right-hand man of the uh, leader. And it pans to him, you know, with the you know, surface-to-air missile truck, and he fires on the F-18.
1: A missile that is locked
0: on now. Yeah, heat-sinking missile. Until
1: it hits them, practically.
0: Um, so, and then Burnett... He says, we're being painted, which basically, of course, means that, you know, some type of uh, weapon is locking onto their position, and that's right before he fires, and then when he fires, they're being an evasive maneuver at this point, trying to get away from the missile. Now, Stackhouse Shoots actually... more. Do what? Shoots more
1: at them instead of one now. there's
0: Yeah, two, two. so two missiles in the air now, but... If you notice, Stackhouse already deplay, uh, deployed flares.
1: Right, but it failed.
0: Yeah, the, the missile didn't hit the flares. So, which every movie has instances that are not close to real life because, I mean, I don't know a whole lot, but I'm assuming in real life, an F 18 or, you know, any. Military aircraft is going to have more than one set of flares, which in this scene you only ever see him deploy flares once. So, just like any other movie, I mean, there's going to be inaccuracies. I'm assuming,
1: but we don't know. We was never, we was never in the military, so we don't know <laughs> if they could carry more than one flare, two flares. We don't know.
0: But he does get one of the missiles to blow up. He drops his fuel tanks and low level, and one of the fuel tanks blows up and creates a fireball, and one of the missiles actually goes in and explodes. But it only got one of them. So then the other missile comes around, and uh, Stackhouse actually tries to do a head-on pass with it. So he tries to go head-on at it and miss it, and it hits him. It clips him. And then he loses control of the aircraft where he can't maneuver it. And then it comes back around and it tears the plane right in half. I mean, what'd you think? Cause this is like one of the main action scenes in the movie, Michael. So what, what'd you think when this scene took place?
1: For it, for it to be an early, early 2000s movie by that, by that case on some actors that this as their starting roles and stuff like that, it, it's got some pretty good action in it, especially this starting scene when the plane blows up. And stuff like that, the action is actually pretty spot on with the fighter jet. You got the the emergency switch on, on for the, the the seats to release and all that. But the the whole plane that blew up, you know, you know, if the front part comes off, you know, it's still going to tear into pieces. But that that main cabin that they were in didn't really blow up or fall apart it just
0: fell yeah but one thing they put in it though is kind of unrealistic is where they eject and then both of their ejection seats hit each other in midair which i don't know if that that actually happened in real life i don't think they would probably be walking away from that but see (laughs) a lot
1: of ejection seats down too I've seen one person release and then give them clearance and a couple seconds later the next one will release so they're a good distance from each other.
0: Yeah. but So the plane's blown up and then they parachute down to the ground. There is a quick, if you notice when Burnett ejected first, but if you notice when Stackhouse ejected, It shows it very quick. So if you're not paying attention. You're not going to realize it. But it actually shows. When he ejects it. uh, He basically injures his leg. When he's coming out. It shows. The plane when he's ejecting out. The ejector seat cutting his leg open. If you pay attention you see that. They both parachute out. And then it shows. Burnett getting stuck in a tree. And. uh, Then he's going to try and find stackhouse
1: but now they're 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 starting to realize that they went off track by what the mission told them that they went off track into bosnia
0: yeah i mean now it's going back to the aircraft carrier where the admiral and everyone else is trying to figure out what happened because of course they radioed and said they've been engaged so and now they know that their plane's down so they're trying to figure out what happened, and they see that they were off mission.
1: But you, but what, what's kind of funny about that, if they didn't come off track, they won't be in the situation they're in now.
0: Yes, but we also would not have a movie. So that, <laughs> That's another point. And then it goes to Burnett running out in the field, and he sees Stackhouse. And he, he goes up to him and realizes he is injured in the leg. He's severely injured. Um, I don't know severely. I mean, it as of right now, it's not like a fatal wound. I, I, I don't think that as long as they keep pressure on it and he doesn't, you know, bleed out, I don't think at this point he would actually die from the injury.
1: Which which in this movie, they actually did pretty good on it and did a proper tourniquet.
0: Well, yeah, because he comes up and Burnett, you know, ties it real tight to get the bleeding to stop.
1: That guy, when he starts walking away from him, and they then sitting there thinking, man, you crazy, leaving <laughs> me out here, and I'm bleeding out
0: (laughs) well you see at this point Burnett has to go he's trying to get his radio to work of course they're in the mountains so his radio wasn't going to work in the middle of a field so he's trying to go to higher ground to get his radio to work and then the next scene it goes to the Soldiers on the ground, the the Serbs
1: find the fuselage of the. They ba- yeah,
0: they basically find the plane, you know, torn to pieces, and they're one of them. The biggest thing in that scene you recall is one of them, you know, holding up the U.S. Navy. <laughs> yeah, part of the plane where in it it's in uh, subtitles because you know it's in a different language, right. but he's like uh look us navy yankee assholes you know like that's the most recognizable part of that scene and then yeah the plane's just in pieces and then you see sasha coming up to the uh leader which the the leader is played by Michael you'll have to look that up because I can't think of his name I know he was in a lot of stuff, like in the late 90s and early 2000s, but I don't think he's much relevant. Which one? The
1: one, uh, the one that plays Sasha?
0: No, the one that plays the leader. I remember watching it as a kid. I remember he was in Home Alone 3. You remember Home Alone 3?
1: Is that um, Alexander
0: Krupa? Yeah, we don't know how to pronounce his name, but yeah.
1: I I think it's Alexander, like Alexander, but Sander Krupa.
0: I'm curious what other movie. I remember he was in Home Alone 3. You remember Home Alone 3? Yeah. Because he was in Home Alone 3. He was the bad guy in Blue Street, too. You remember the old movie with uh, Martin Lawrence?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was.
0: He's always played a good bad guy, like, throughout the years. But he, he did a lot of stuff through the 90s, and I, I think he's done even more recent things, just not necessarily anything I've seen. Well, it says he has a small... Well, it says he has a part in the new movie that ain't even out yet. Uh, you heard about that movie, Reagan, the one with Dennis Quaid? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So I don't know what his part contains in that new movie, but it should be interesting. So, then, if we go to, as Brunette is trying to get high enough to use the radio... And while he's doing this, he hears, you know, which turns out to be tanks and trucks and heavy equipment. Coming
1: down the hill. On yeah, the coming later. down the
0: hill. So he, you know, kind of hides behind a tree, which he's far away, so they ain't going to see him anyway. And he's looking through his binoculars and the leader, which, what's his character name in the movie?
1: Um, if it's the right guy, uh, Miroslav Lokar.
0: That's pretty good. I don't think I would have been able to pronounce it that good. <laughs> it's really... I don't know if it's prop I don't know if it was right name, but
1: it was close enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the leader is talking to Stackhouse. He comes up and one of the soldiers actually when he comes up stands on his injured leg. Which is an insult to injury on top of everything else. And uh, Stackhouse hasn't really said a word. I mean, he had no reason to at this point. So they're talking to him, and they're asking him, you know, you know, were they on a bombing mission, or were they on, you know, photo reconnaissance, basically, you know, taking photographs. Which that's the whole reason why you find out later on in the movie. Well, if you're good at paying attention to little things, you already know that that's why they shot them down because they flew over what was an unmarked grave where the genocide took place from the scene from the opening scene and what you learn farther on and then he's asking him photo or you know bombing mission and then stackhouse you know he asks him if he's alone which of course stackhouse is going to say uh yeah yes. I'm
1: alone yeah
0: and that's about the only thing stackhouse says and then all the other soldiers walk away. And Sasha... Shot him
1: behind the back.
0: You know, walks behind him, pulls his pistol, and, you know, execute executes him. And shoots him right in the head.
1: But while he's looking through the binoculars at, at him, he fell backwards and Sasha hurt him.
0: Yeah, see, that's... So, Burnett made, basically, a yell out or scream when it happened. So, and then... That's when Sasha knew there was someone else. So, tells all the other soldiers, you know, they see him running up the hill and he tells them to fire on him. And, you know, they're shooting, you know, Ma- you know, Maldus' 50 cals and all the guns they have at their disposal pretty much all the way up the hill.
1: And he doesn't get hit, by the way. He makes it over the hill without getting hit.
0: Which, of course, Yeah, he escapes, yeah. I mean, that's your typical... You you'll see that in in, any... in in real life. I don't think he would have
1: made it. over Oh no! L. In real life, he would have been a goner practically in real life with that many bullets flying at you, regardless.
0: Yeah. So now, let's go back and talk a little about like Owen Wilson in general. So what what's some of your favorite Owen Wilson movies? Like spanning his whole career.
1: I like I like Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers was a good one.
0: Yeah, but I mean he played a small part. I mean Yeah, it's good, but I don't know if I'd classify that as an Owen Wilson movie. Now he I mean an Owen Wilson movie would be something that, you know, he was like the leading role in.
1: So like I don't I don't know if you would count it as a leading role or co leading role, but Wedding Crashers.
0: Wedding Crashers with Vince Vaughn.
1: Yeah.
0: Now that was a good movie.
1: That that one was good.
0: Now, even so much better than that,
1: though... Well, and then he did another one with another big movie star, too, Jennifer Aniston, and they did Marley and Me.
0: Probably one of the very few movies that I probably... I think everyone's cried at the end of that movie. Yeah,
1: Marley and Me, that's... It, it don't matter who you are. That, that's that's a tearjerker there.
0: <laughs> but, and then you have... Now, him and Vince Vaughn have done a lot of cool things together. I mean, it... Because they had Wedding Crashers, but the one I like even better than that would be uh, what The Internship. You seen that one? Yeah. That was a really good movie. That one
1: was funny. That one was great. But see, he's did a lot of movies, too, with Ben Stiller. Like
0: Starsky and Hutch. Well, Starsky and Hutch came after this movie, but Zoolander actually came out, I believe, like a year before this movie.
1: Yeah, Zoolander came out in 2001.
0: Well, probably not, probably just a few months before this came out then.
1: Yeah, so Zoolander, it says it came out in September 28th of 2001.
0: So really, it was released two months before this movie was released. Right. So he was definitely on a roll there for a while. I mean, you had this and then, I want to say after this movie, though, what's the next movie? Well, he did the World Bombs right after this one. And that, that movie I, was a pretty big hit at the time.
1: Yeah, Rotten of Bombs. Um, you had Shanghai Knights, which, which we mentioned earlier. You got You, Me, and Dupree in 2006. Remember You, Me, and Dupree?
0: That was kind of a bomb, though. I don't think You, Me, and Dupree ever did any good. Uh, I don't know how much it made or if it made anything, but I, I remember I don't think that movie did too well, which I was also looking at... He was
1: in another movie in 2004 called The Big Bounce.
0: Who was? Wilson? Yes.
1: He, he was in the movie Big Bounce with um, Morgan Freeman, Gary uh, Sinise, Sarah Foster, Willie Nelson, Charlie Sheen.
0: I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one.
1: Oh, that's it. You being a big movie buff, that takes you the first movie that you have never seen there's a lot
0: of movies out there <laughs> especially now oh yeah. i mean the, the way the world's getting now with uh what i call covid movies which are basically uh you know small cast where they can kind of film in like a small set which in low budget which there's so many of those out there now between Netflix and Prime Video and all your other streaming services.
1: Yeah, and obviously well, that's the thing about movies now too. When COVID when COVID first started, a lot of these movie theaters shut down because they didn't want nobody in their theaters and stuff like that. So a, a lot of the newer movies now you could watch actually cheaper at your house than you could go into the movie theater. And so a lot of people resorted to that because they were at their own house. They didn't have to worry about people on the phones, people being loud or nothing like that. And they could just watch it at home on their own time when it's quiet.
0: Which even now, I mean, because of COVID, which, you know, kind of wish it would never happen. I know a lot of people kind of wish it wouldn't have happened because so many things have changed because of it. But because of it, if you're a huge movie buff like me, you take advantage of it because now, even when the theaters are back open, a lot of the releases, depending on the, you know, the movie studio that releases it, a lot of them you can still get online. I mean, yeah. they may charge you like twenty dollars to rent it,
1: but you can but still rent it. For you $20. can still
0: get access to it without even going to the movie theater.
1: Right, and even rent it or like. Or, like, even when a new movie comes out, too, you could go to your local Redbox, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, stuff like that, and you could actually rent it the day of or the day before or the day after it comes out and yeah. watch it that way.
0: But Well, I feel like now Redbox, though, so is kind of... I I know people still use it, but I don't think it's as, as big as what it was. Yeah, because cause now
1: you got all these
0: streaming well, services. Well, streaming, you don't, you don't even need a DVD anymore. I mean... Oh yeah, you know you can you can get it all online. Uh, See, it's not
1: DVDs anymore though. Now they got Blu-rays.
0: Yeah, but Blu-ray is kind of one of those things that I don't know. I, I think Blu-ray is kind of overrated. It's it's not really much better than if you have a really nice like UHD TV, like I do with the high definition. I mean, and all that stuff. Blu-ray is kind of you know pointless. Yeah, because you can
1: just watch it the same on DVD, and it'll practically be the same. Not unless you're like me where I got a $1,000 home theater system with a 12-inch sub on it, then it might sound different compared to DVD and Blu-ray.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing about this movie, though, is I've seen it I don't know how many times. I've seen it a bunch.
1: And I maybe seen, I think I seen it when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I just now watched it.
0: But one reason I picked this one to do our first episode with because mainly because it's it's one of my, you know, favorite movies, not maybe top ten, but uh, I just, you know, I've seen it a lot over the years, so I know it real well. Uh, But we'll see in the future, but I'd say we're going to pick movies from all different, probably new movies, maybe some really old movies.
1: And some movies that everybody should know.
0: Yeah. I mean, your classics.
1: Yeah, like Like, you got Forrest Gump, Waterboy.
0: oh Breakfast Club, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Breakfast Club. movies. I mean, so there's a lot of different movies we can do. But my main thing about doing this is, I mean, there's... I mostly want to concentrate on movies, but there's going to be episodes, you know, here and there where we may just get on here and just talk about random stuff. That's where the movies... And that's where the, the more comes into play. Um, so there's oh gonna be episode where we do what? Oh boy! Uh, yeah, that was a Michael. Everybody, that wasn't another sound effect from the soundboard. That was just Michael being Michael.
1: This is an everyday thing for me. If I don't act like this, you know something's
0: wrong. Yeah, something's real wrong. <laughs> you give me a yippee too, or just no boy? Yippee! That tickles. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not.
1: Oh, that's something we'll get on when we.
0: Yeah, that that'll be another conversation <laughs> that leads into a private joke. But that that'll be another conversation, probably in the in the future. We're not going to get into that because that's probably like a twenty minute conversation. Oh, it, it's hilarious just too. Explaining oh. the um
1: how that got to the be inside
0: joke, but. Let's get back to the the main scenes of the movie. So, where were we at?
1: We were on... When they um, see him go over the hill. And they were shooting at him.
0: Alright, so they were shooting at him. And then he basically loses him. He, he runs far enough away where he loses him in the woods. So, he loses him in the woods. And then... He, uh, it kind of shows a scene where... Well, it, it goes to the scene where he actually calls um, them on the radio. Okay, everybody. At this point, I just wanted to explain. Um, we're in the middle of me and Michael recording... We had gotten actually cut off the recording messed up and we just got cut off and it took us a little bit to realize it so at this point we just decided to take a break so this next part you're going to hear is basically just us coming back from a break
1: He smokes up the house like a early rainy Sunday morning, real foggy. Got to have fog lights to see. Shoo! I tell you, he 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 don't know how to cook. He's like a, <laughs> he's like when the mama tries to teach the teenager how to cook for the first time, and the smoke alarms going off. He got the fan blowing out the window. Well,
0: does hey, the smoke alarm ain't go off?
1: You might want to check the batteries in it, dude, because that are dead. <laughs> it
0: wasn't that bad. It just smoked up the house a little bit. Wow. I swear. I should have opened up the door a little bit earlier. That
1: door didn't have as much fog as you did. You didn't <laughs> fog last season, that thing. All
0: right. So, back to behind enemy lines. Uh, so, right where we got cut off, we were. Uh, right at where uh, Lieutenant Burnett is at the top of the mountain talking to the Admiral, talking to the U.S. Navy on the aircraft carrier, letting him know what happened to his uh, partner, Stackhouse. Now, so from there... He's laying down in the... Well, that's the next big scene. Uh, But you had the part where see we were at the part where he's talking to him on the radio for the first time right and then right after that it kind of pans to the scene where he tries to take a break so he's at he's at the top of what looks like I guess a old dam that doesn't operate anymore at least that's what it looks like to me what it look like to you
1: it, it looks like an, it, it might be an old dam because he's, he's at the third part he's slotted down a real big steep wall yeah. And so that the, it, it, it looks like a dam or like an old timey bridge. You know how like they built them and they were real
0: steep on the ends for the workers to go up and down on? Mm hmm. But basically, he's, he was sitting there and he kind of grabbed his uh, canteen. he started to drink a little bit of water. And then out of nowhere, our uh, good pal, the bad guy, Sasha, Fires around from his rifle and hits him right next. To, well, he doesn't hit him. He hits around hits right next to his head. And he starts sliding down this uh, embankment like Michael was talking about. Just kind of like a big, uh, steep, uh, concrete, concrete wall kind of. So he's sliding down there and then he ends up, he just evades Sasha once again. He's able to get away without getting shot. And then it goes to another scene where he's calling back on the radio because at this point it already got to the point where, you remember the the superiors over the admiral told him that he could not go pick him up. That he had to make it to what they call the safe zone. Their extraction point. Which is a long ways off from where he's at. So now he's talking with the admiral, kind of arguing about, you know, why is this spot not good enough for pickup? Because, of course, you know, he's getting shot at. He's ready to get the heck out of there, you know. And then they tell him he's got to hump it out to safe zone. He gets in an argument with them. And uh, then while he's talking to him, trying to get him, you know, to where he understands that he's got to get there, they catch up with them, so now he's got these guys behind him, and I don't think they actually see him from the way they set the scene up. I think they're just
1: they're a following
0: following his tracks, probably. And uh, then he's running. Burnett's running, and then he falls into the uh, original place that we see him flying over with the jet, which is the unmarked graves. From, uh, you see at the beginning of the movie where they killed all those people and they buried them. Planted, like, trees on top of them. So, he falls in and, uh, your superiors on the aircraft carrier are actually looking at him from satellite. So, they brought up satellite and they can see him and everything. And, uh, they think he's dead because they they see the heat image of him and all the guys around him. But uh, they think he's dead. What really happened is he got in there and he hid underneath the bodies until the soldiers went away. So now that the soldiers went away, he's basically getting back up and then taking off running again. Which I want to say that that scene in particular was a lot longer. And they they ended up cutting a lot of it. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard they cut a lot of it to get... Well, I think they cut a lot of it because they wanted to bring it down to PG-13 rating. I, th- I think originally this movie was supposed to be R-rated. And then they uh, brought it down to PG-13, which I think that's why they had to cut that burial site down. Because I think originally they had a lot more graphic, you know, stuff in it. Oh, yeah. And then we go into uh, Admiral Leslie in his office talking with his uh, Master Chief, his right hand, you know, second in command. And he's ta- his chief is talking to him wondering, you know, why they're not going to get their boy, why they're not going to get their pilot, and wondering why it's not over the all over the news, because at this point, nothing's public. No one even knows about it. So now we're getting to the scene. It basically just goes into where the Admiral it doesn't really show him doing it, but it it goes into where he basically contacts the media and, uh, he, uh, leaks it to the media. So then it goes over the news that, uh, Lieutenant Burnett actually is, uh, shot down behind enemy lines. Uh, So it goes to that point, and then it kind of goes back to. uh, It shows that, and then it shows two servicemen kind of uh, going to his dad. Uh, There's no dialogue in that scene, but it kind of just shows him going to his dad and kind of telling him, you know, that his son's uh, shot down. But it's kind of like any movie; It, it has it goes to more of your Dialogue driven scenes. So it, it kind of pans back and forth from Burnett to the Admiral back and forth.
1: I got the parts in it that want to drag you in and want to keep watching it.
0: Yeah. Because it explains kind of what's going on on the ship and then, uh, what's going on with Burnett evading, trying to evade his pursuers. But, uh, Another thing we were looking at, we were talking about uh, Sasha. Which, remember, I looked that one up. That I never knew this until I got to looking it up, but the character Sasha... What was it? In, uh, when did they come out, Grand Theft Auto 4? Rockstar did? 2007? Uh, 2007, 2007. But apparently, the character Sasha, they used that as kind of a basis to create the character... Was it Nico? Isn't it Nico from Grand Theft Auto 4, the main character in the video game? Uh, yeah. So they actually
1: used GTA 4. Nico Bellic is Sasha Ivanek from Behind Enemy Lines.
0: Yeah. So they basically used the character Sasha as kind of a blueprint for. uh their main character Rockstar did for their main character in Grand Theft Auto 4, which is pretty cool because I never even thought about that. But if you go back and actually look at pictures or video of the game, it's funny because yeah, I mean, it's literally it looks like him from like the scruffness and everything, of the, you know, the scruffness on his face from not just kind of like the jacket the that he's gone and setup. that he's shooting
1: in, that just even the weight. Um, I like the, the way he's built on those looks.
0: Which apparently Rockstar actually uh, approached the actor that played uh, Sasha. They approached him to get him to actually do the voiceover work on Nico, but I guess he turned it down. I don't know what reasoning behind it. So they got some other voiceover actor to the, do it.
1: The voice of GTA five Nico Bellic is Michael Hollick.
0: Which I have no idea who that is. I'm assuming that's—is he well known as a voiceover actor or
1: something? Uh, I don't know, but I know it says right here he was paid roughly a hundred thousand dollars over fifteen months for his voice acting for GTA Four.
0: Wow, getting paid that much—a
1: thousand dollars as a voice for fifteen actor. months over, or it says a hundred thousand dollars over fifteen months.
0: All right, so now we're getting to one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I don't know about you, Michael, but there's quite a few good scenes in this movie. This is one of my favorite scenes. This this is getting to the the landmine scene, which I always liked because he basically he comes upon like it looks like a A old trip abandoned. No, it's like an old abandoned factory area. Is what it looks like, and he sees these kids hopscotching through these wires which are landmines so but then the kids get in a car i guess with their dad and leave but then he's still kind of scoping out the area but then he gets a, a jeep behind him with these soldiers in it so he's got to start running so he starts running you know hopscotching through these landmines and then bam he hits one of them and they just start going off like crazy which they actually put, which is kind of interesting. They put like a slow motion scene in the movie where you see like a soldier being blown back by the initial. And just like
1: a bunch of rock.
0: Yeah, which is kind of cool because if you think about it, that's not something that's not normal for a action movie, especially at this time. Oh yeah. So that's pretty interesting. And then he's Running through the rest of them, popping them off, and it's just bam, bam, bam after another. Just
1: then, at one point in the movie, you see him actually get covered in the smoke like you think he got hit, but he's you can see that he's still running.
0: Yeah, and then they got they put like a quick scene of a AK 47 just like totally destroyed and destroyed, just kind of falling to the ground. I think that was a. A uh, cool scene they throw in through in there. But that that was pretty cool. It's for me it's always fun. Michael doesn't geek out as much as I do when it comes to movies. Cause for me I just look at certain stuff like that. Cause I've always loved film just how it's made and you know what the director and producer decides to put in it. I always thought it was pretty cool how they just do different scenes. What choices they make?
1: Bad guys over here trying to hunt him down again.
0: Yep, there's our guy Sasha. What? Which, which is so funny because you look at that, and now that I know that, it's like it's like it Nico. looks like Nico. It yeah. looks just like him. So it is kind of cool that they modeled that after. him.
1: But if you want, if you go back and you play GTA Four, if if you could play GTA Four. If he actually, when you when you watch him walk, does he walk like Nico? I don't
0: know. We'd have to check that.
1: I, I know I haven't played GTA four, but
0: it, it. I don't know. I remember. Maybe I mean it's been a long time since I played GTA four. I mean it's been a long time since I played GTA five. Alone four.
1: Oh yeah, now, well, I can remember most of GTA five, but GTA four is like. It's, it's gone, top situation. That, that's one of those. The uh, n- new game comes out, you totally forget about it.
0: Now, the only thing about Behind Enemy Lines that I. I mean, I love this movie. But after this movie, it kind of created a thing with Behind Enemy Lines. Because look at how many did they end up doing after have, this?
1: I think they had three. Because.
0: This movie kind of like created a spinoff of this, and they ended up doing like...
1: So you had behind the one, that, this one, you had prepared the, to cross the line. Um, and I think that was the only one that they had. They had Behind, behind Enemy Lines 2, Access of Evil, Behind Enemy Lines, Columbia...
0: I believe the Columbia one is where WWE took it over, right? Where yeah, the WWE had, uh, Studios took it.
1: Yeah, it had uh, Ken Anderson.
0: Yeah, I thought there was the fourth one though, maybe not.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: but I mean, I, I honestly don't know if I've seen Columbia. I've seen the second one, and I didn't really much care for it. I mean, it was okay.
1: Was it what? I thought there was one with uh, WWE superstar John Cena in it. Or is that a different one I'm thinking of?
0: I don't know if there was a uh, Behind Enemy Lines. I mean, around the same time this came out, no, it was probably later, but I remember John Cena did uh, The Marine.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking The Marine, yeah.
0: Yeah, which that was like one of his first movies. But that was the Marine. Right, that's another movie we might do eventually I don't know we, yeah. get, we got a whole list that we're going to have to come up with of what we're going to do there, there's going to be some uh, episodes where we talk about which they just had that Eddie Hall and Thor, Thor fight, fight which we, we might we get time we might actually record on just talking about that cause we can make a whole episode off of that uh but so uh now we're going to. It pans to the next scene, or one of the main scene is where uh, he's basically radioing back, and at this point he's kind of getting discouraged because he's kind of tired of running. So at one point he says, "Like you know, I shouldn't have left Stackhouse," and uh, he gets kind of. You know, Sympathy yeah so that's when you know the admiral kind of says something just to kind of get his mind off of me he pretends he didn't hear him and you know he asked him about his pack see what you know he has his uh you know his equipment you know canteen all that stuff
1: well you know by now with him running this much there ain't very lot of clean water, so you know his canteen's got to be running low here at some point.
0: I think he might have already lost it. Because remember when uh, Sasha was shooting Shot at him, he dropped it. Yeah, I think he already lost it. Um, Then he has a conversation with the Admiral. You know, they're just kind of talking. And then let's go to the next scene, the next main scene. So it's just... Most of this movie is just literally them filming uh Wilson playing Burnett just like running through the woods, which I'm assuming at the time he probably spent a long time training to do this movie because it's pretty much just him yeah they said he was like running the majority of the movie. They said that he was doing for him
1: to train for this role, he had to do some military training courses safety courses he actually had to fly in a jet at like six g's so he had to do a lot of training for this role for this movie before from low like a small movie that wouldn't get a lot of reviews happen on
0: yeah so and then of course sasha is still pursuing him. you know it goes in a little bit by five minutes just like I said, more running. The majority of this movie—that's why most, a lot of people don't necessarily like it, because it's kind of—it's just basically just, him, just running him running around the whole movie. But I mean, I've always enjoyed it. I mean, because it not only that, but I feel like it's all about the movies you grow up with. Because you know, when I watched this as a kid, and you know, I've watched it over the years, it's just something that you know, it just became a movie that I've always enjoyed. Now, so we go to the next scene, and, you know, he basically, he's running from Sasha. And then he comes, he he hears a truck coming down the road. So he flags down this truck. And uh, basically the guy gets out of it, which, if you're not a movie geek, you probably don't even notice it. I don't know if you noticed it when you watch it, but the guy, first of all, the guy, I mean, this is in Bosnia, you know. But the guy is listening to Elvis in the truck. But then when you get out, if you notice, he's literally made his hairstyle look like Elvis, like oh, yeah. his whole persona. He's acting like Elvis. Um, so, you know, and then he gets out of the truck and he kind of just points up, you know, cause he asked him, he's basically saying, you know, you got, you know, he came from a plane, like you're a pilot. And he just kind of, you know, nods, Nod his head. nods because truck. he don't speak the language. So, um, he lets him in the back of the truck so he can get a ride and uh, they get going down the road and then he gets talking to this one kid in the back you know he can't be what well. he looks probably what 18 19
1: teenager yeah um yeah you
0: know, he's 16 17 but he's talking to him and he he looks at his shirt and he's like you know ice cube he's wearing an ice cube shirt which you got to understand, too, this movie is based, <clears throat> it came out in 2001, but this movie is based like it's in 95. So, Ice Cube at the time was just a rapper. I mean, I think he had done, he'd already done Boys in the Hood, right? I mean, he had done. Oh,
1: yeah. But this is where he was starting, he was real big as a rapper.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was before he really, I think he'd done some of Um, Look it up real quick. I think he did uh, check on that, see if he had done Friday yet. I I don't think he had done Friday yet. Check see when Friday came out. I don't think that Friday had came out yet. Friday
1: came out in, the, the original Friday came out in 1995. And then next Friday, his second one came out in 2000.
0: So depending on what time, well, it was around Christmas time that this movie is based out. So, when did, does it say what month Friday came out?
1: The first one or the...
0: The first Friday. You said it came out in 95. It
1: came out April of
0: 95. So, yeah. I mean, Friday would have already came out. But mostly known as a rapper, Hadn't really gotten a big, big movie star yet. So then they're just riding in the truck, and then they get to this town uh, called Hotch. And then at this point, they pretty much already figured out that that's where he's going. Because remember, Sasha was like, he found the tire tracks, and he radioed in and told them that he was headed to Hotch. That's why when they get to Hotch, you know, all hell starts breaking loose.
1: Because they know where he's at.
0: Yeah, and then bringing tanks in and just blowing stuff up. Which, uh, so rad that I don't know how much this is true or whether it came that close. But John Moore, your director, you know, we talked about him earlier, but there was a part when they were doing the tank scene where the tank goes through the wall, which is, uh, he almost I guess the timing was awkward. they say John Moore almost hey, got hit. Yeah. Yeah, he almost he almost uh, sacrificed a little too much for the movie cuz I guess, I guess when the they did the tank scene,
1: I guess they didn't have a lot of stunt devils done back then. I say.
0: "Well, no, I mean I'm talking about the director." I mean, it, Oh you, yeah. the the director shouldn't even be but cuz you got to think so now we're in the scene where, you know, the tank blasts through the wall, which that apparently was where when John Moore was directing the movie, I almost got hit with the tank. Life, but in that part, and they're kind of searching through the rubble and kind of like, looks like an abandoned mall, and they find what they think. Is Burnett, because it's his uniform, but come to find out, he switched uniforms, which was a smart move. So I think it was one of Michael's favorite parts of it. Yeah,
1: because they were they were trying to trying to find him, and he and he switched uniforms so he could try to get away or slide slide out of out of reach.
0: So you have got so they find. Lieutenant Burnett's body, what they think is his body.
1: But it's not. He switched yeah, uniforms. Yeah, he switched, switched.
0: uniforms. Uh, so he put one of the Serbs uniforms on and he kind of just, he basically just walks out of there like a boss. Just, <laughs> kinda, his he, he's got on. To he, he, he kind of just walks out and uh, but what happens is is that at this point they have an extraction set up, but what happened was is is that uh, the admiral had a team set up to go get them, but the his superiors basically shot him down and said, "Look, we're gonna take these, which they look like green berets, and we're gonna we're gonna go get them." So they've got a single chopper on their way to go get them. Was a horrible idea, and uh, but what happens is is that the Serbs kind of screw him. because what they do is is they bring in the media and they show that they killed him because they have his uniform, so it it gets put on the news that he's dead. And they make it look like, you know, they found them and said they were killed by some other renegade forces out of their control. So it gets plastered all over the news that he's found dead when he's not. But what that does is is that gets back to the chopper on their way to go get him. So the chopper gets called off because they think, you know, there's no one to go get. So the chopper gets called off and the chopper's literally like, not far from Burnett at all, and he starts to turn around. So at this point, when the chopper starts to turn around, Burnett's Burnett's ready, and he's running out in this field. And he sees the chopper turn around. He starts yelling and screaming and shooting his gun up in his air. And of course, you know, helicopter ain't gonna hear and we'll him once Especially
1: as loud as they are, they ain't gonna hear no gunshots.
0: So. The helicopter goes away. You know, at this time, he's still with the kid that he calls Ice Cube. You know, because he called him that. Because he's got, he got the shirt on. he got Ice Cube on his shirt, and he's been calling him Ice Cube. But then he tells the kid to, you know, go off on his own because Burnett's figured out that at this point, I think he knows he's probably not going to get out of there, but he's going to try. So at this point what he gets in his head is if he can I actually don't know if that was really what in his head his original idea was to go back to because he knows where his seat fell after he ejected because he remembers seeing it fall
1: yeah so he's trying to send them a signal well
0: I think originally he was just worried about he wanted to get the 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 photo right but when he gets to it, he sees that the beacon is off. So that's when he goes to turn the beacon back on.
1: So they know that he's still out there.
0: Yeah. And then they, on the ship, they see the beacons turn back on, and they're like, well, that system very complicated. If you don't know our equipment, you're not going to be able to turn that back on. So that's when they figure out that, well, he's got to be alive. So the Admiral basically at this point, Kind of goes against his superiors. He basically says, you know, forget it. I'm, you know, I'm gonna just go get him no matter what happens to me. Cause his first officer kind of argues, you know, they'll take your command over this. And he's like, I don't give a shit. You know, I'm not gonna let that kid die out there. So, He goes and uh, gets him. Well, he hasn't gone and got him yet. He basically just is getting ready to go get him. So they start to get a team together, and then it pans back to Sasha,
1: guy that he's with. They're going through the, the minefield to try to uh, find him. And the guy steps on the uh, steps on the mine.
0: He, he kind of screwed him because Sasha seen the, the mine and walked over it. So he knew that he was going to step on it. So he lets him step on it. And then he just kind of leaves him and then it goes off. The only good thing about this, though, is Burnett can hear the mine go off. So it's kind of. So he knows he how warns close they him are. That he's coming. Because at the time, Burnett is actually.
1: A oh, little well ahead
0: of him, where the seat, where his ejection, his ejection seat landed. So then Sasha catches up with them, and he's kind of set up on the edge of the field where the seat is, with a sniper rifle, and uh, he basically thinks Burnett is behind the seat because what looks like a glove peering over the side. But what actually happened is, is that Burnett set him up because he kind of knew he was coming from an explosion. So, Burnett kind of left the rifle sitting next to the seat uh, and then kind of like filled a glove with some snow and put it on top of the seat.
1: make it look like he was there, but it really wasn't. He was waiting for him.
0: Yeah. So, and then you kind of had like a quick fight scene with him and Sasha because Burnett basically fires think three, four rounds of Sasha and then doesn't completely kill him, but they're definitely fatal shots. I mean, they're chest shots. And then uh, he actually stabs him with what I guess looks a like a flare. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And then that kills him. So, bye-bye, Sasha. Poor Nico. <laughs> and then... So, now we're getting into the final crazy action scene, I guess, for the time. I mean, since 2001, there have been a lot better action scenes. But, I don't know. What you think of the final scene? Pretty good?
1: Oh, it was pretty good. For an um, early 2000s movie, it was, it was actually pretty good.
0: So, then, basically, you got, it looks like, what, Three Blackhawks show up.
1: Three Blackhawks with about six, seven tanks.
0: Yeah, and then the bad guys, you got tanks on their side. So they're wanting Burnett to go ahead and jump in the chopper, but he realizes that he needs to get the hard drive. Because remember, they took photos of the burial sites. And he he wants to get it so he can, you know.
1: Warn him what's going on.
0: Well, yeah. So they can actually, you know, at that point they'd be able to get him for war crimes. So he like does a totally fake but badass
1: like baseball slide, baseball like, slide, like, shooting a gun, something.
0: which is kind of funny, but I I guess still pretty cool, I mean, at least for the time. And then you got you know blackhawks shooting,
1: and tanks and everything,
0: missiles. So he he grabs the hard drive, you know, and then you got the main map bad guy shooting. You know, it looks like a MP four, MP five at him. Which I actually got to shoot MP five once, which is pretty cool. Only time I ever got to shoot a full auto, and it it was, it was one of the coolest guns I ever got to shoot. And uh, so, and then you got the chopper coming around with uh, one guy from the beginning of the movie you've seen, which is a Marine. So he's, he's hanging off the chopper, and then they see that there's a sniper. Burnett's running towards the chopper, but then they see that there's a sniper out in the open. So they take him out, and then... He's running off the ledge of the cliff. And then the marine guy catches him. So now we're going to the closing. So in the closing scene, they pull Burnett up into the chopper. And then Burnett gives the uh recording that they he the hard drive that he got off of the um ejection seat he gives it to the admiral and says this is why they killed stackhouse so then at that point he also you know you can tell he's really really happy he's rescued and the choppers are flying out of there they ain't getting shot down or anything and uh then he asks the admiral uh, i believe you're holding the letter for me which is the his letter of resignation that he had originally gave the admiral before all this happened back on the aircraft carrier. So the admiral has it on him. He gives it to him, and he basically just rips it up and uh, throws it out of the chopper. So they get back to the aircraft carrier, and you know everyone's cheering on the flight deck and uh, he's saved and at this point now the movie so there's there's been times in this movie where they've used different music so they've used you know different music but the the song they use at the end is actually, it's uh, The Rescue Blues by Ryan Adams, which was a really popular song around this time. It came out the same year as movie came out. Which, they kind of do a weird thing at the end where they act like it's true, where they say, like, the, you know, the Admiral retired and all this stuff. But, I mean, they're fictional characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie was... Kind of based on something that that happened, but none of the characters in the movie are real.
1: Because of the lawsuit. There was a big lawsuit that they were mimicking the character so they had to change the way everything was.
0: So I don't understand why they did the thing at the end where I I wouldn't have done that. So that pretty much concludes our first movie review. So, what did you think all in all, Michael? Pretty good? I was It, it was good.
1: That's like it, but we got, we got a lot more movies to go that...
0: Yeah, we're gonna be doing, uh, you know, new movies, old movies, classics. But there's gonna be other times we just talk about random stuff, so... uh,
1: Like random? goofy stuff like
0: stories anything else but yeah we're gonna have different episodes but a lot of it I still enjoy my movies so a lot of it's gonna be just talking about different movies alright well in closing that was behind enemy lines let's give me a yippee Michael yippee oh boy (laughs) that tickles I hope not. All right, until next time you know we'll see what comes next. We haven't really gotten our next movie set up yet but we'll see what we're gonna do. So that was Ducks movies and more. I'm Zach, your host and my buddy Michael with me this time. probably will be next time. We'll
1: see. We got we got a couple of different guests, but uh, hopefully will hopefully you'll you'll like this channel and come back for the next one.